So, John, if you found out that your best friend was a vampire, what would you do? First of all, that sounds like a great title for a movie. My best friend is a vampire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having watched a series of vampire movies, mm-hmm. I think I'd want to find out what kind of vampire they were. Okay, okay. Give, like me, a... give me the different uh, scenarios then. So in this film, if it's based on this film, it'd be kind of an emo vampire, mm-hmm. would you say? Mm-hmm. If it was Vampire's Kiss, there'd be a, an insane vampire. An insane, actually not a vampire. Mm. I'd, I'd, I think I'd have to establish whether it's definitely a vampire. So first, emo vampire, what, what are you doing? If it's an emo vampire, yeah. give them a hug. <laughs> in fact, in fact, no. First question, who's your best friend? Well, you, obviously. Great. <laughs> just just checking. Just okay. checking. So emo vampire, give me a hug. Well, you're, you're not, yeah, well, you don't like hugs very much, and you're not that emo, so... Mm. Okay. I don't think you'd be like this girl. What do you think I'd be like? It's not really your personality. I don't know, which of the, sh- of the ones we've done, I'm trying to think which one's closest to your personality. Uh, so we've got Nicolas Cage vampire. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Surely you just stream it. Yeah. <laughs> what else have we done this season? Uh, Dracula. Dracula. Oh no, you're totally one of the vampires from what, what well, we do in the shadows. Yeah. That's clearly. I'm not one of the lesbian vampire colours. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say you're not James Corden. No, I think better if you've done that. Um, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. No, I think you're definitely in the title wikisi kind of realm of vampires. I think so. So what would you do? I don't know. Just ask you not to bite me. No. I don't think like, I'd have much control over the situation, really. Like, I feel like the ball would very much be in your court as the vampire, as to what, I mean, you how this ha- relationship developed. You could hunt me down and kill me, because I'm probably going to go around killing other people. Sure, depends who you kill. I could give you a list, you know. Okay, okay yeah. yeah, no, I'm good ball with that, so we're teaming up. Yeah, I think so. Basically. Yeah, I'll trust you for now. Okay, sure, sure. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the start of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to let the right one in. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hear from my listeners with the ideas they have posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch up with its plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most friends. Aww. Episodes watched by myself. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today, I'm joined by Julio, the guest with the best. Oh taste, wow, you've really, taste built in up this, you've really built up this intro now. It's got levels. <laughs> and coming up the rear, the host with the least money Aww. in his wallet after losing a £100 bet to me the other week, it's John Lucas. Yeah, maybe I've changed my mind. Maybe I would just stake you, get my money back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, welcome, Julio. Hi. And, uh, thanks for choosing this film. Your third time on the podcast now. I know. Hat trick. A true friend of the pod. Proudly so. And so tell us a little bit about this film that you've uh, selected for us. So I gave John two choices, just looking at, at what you guys John have done. Choices. <laughs> Three choices, actually, I guess. So I looked at what you guys had, and then I'm like, all right. The first thing that comes to mind is either Mel Brooks's Dracula Dead and Loving It, uh, which is you know a Mel Brooks movie. It's a, it's a comedy. It's a, a parody. Or Let the Right One In, which obviously I picked it because I think it's a, it's a great movie. And then, well, there is a, an American remake of Let the Right One In, called let me in so i'm like either of those three and then john said well you pick and then i looked and i saw that most of the movies you had done on this arc was uh, uh, they were uh, pretty funny and so 
I was like, let's go with with mm-hmm. a darker vampire movie, just to to give some variety. Yeah, that's good. Good shot. Yeah, and then I figured might as well just go with the original. So let's go with the Swedish version. And I was a little afraid that maybe that would uh, make it harder on Harry. But John said, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Thanks, John. Yeah, the best. Look, anything that gets you to look up from your golfing game or whatever it is that's currently destroying your attention span. Mm. Yeah. It's trying to expand your horizons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I I mean, I'm I'm really, really curious to to hear what you guys thought of the movie. I, I've seen it a couple of times before. The first time I watched it, it just blew me away. I'm not much for horror movies, but this is just so well done, and it just it felt very different from just your standard vampire movie, your standard horror. And then I've never read the book that it's based on, but I saw the American remake, which is also quite good. And uh, last year, a couple of years ago, they actually saw the stage adaptation. They were touring, they came to Austin, and I was able to watch it. And it was pretty impressive. They basically followed the plot of the of the movie pretty closely, but seeing it on stage is just a completely different dimension to it. So it's uh, it was pretty cool. So I'm I'm it's I'm pretty fond of it when I think of of just favorite horror movies and certainly favorite vampire movies uh it, it's up there so i was very very interested to, to see what you guys would do with it uh, on the podcast okay i'm interested to know that there's a stage version that's news to me i mm. think that i can't imagine how this would work on stage at all it's so such a quiet film right uh it, it's pretty it's pretty crazy and i didn't know anything about it until is it like <laughs> no. jazz hands uh, I think they have a couple. From what I remember, they have a couple of musical moments. Uh, no, not songs, but mm-hmm. just kind of. Uh, I think a, a, in between big scenes, there's just sort of these musical interludes where they're changing the the scenery. But a lot of it's just you know it takes place in the woods, and then you have the the smaller areas which are you know like the house, like the rooms and all that stuff. But I mean, even the climax, they have a, a way to set up uh, something that's very clearly a pool, and you see. What happens in the in the movie in the pool happens on stage, which is crazy. You know, wow. I never would have thought that they they could actually pull that off, but they did. So mm. it's it's pretty cool. I, I had no idea that it even existed until we saw the flyer uh, here, or or maybe I got an email about it. But I was I was very happy that uh, I was able to catch it. I got to see that play. I hope it comes to the UK sometime. Um, well, let's leave Harry's opinion till last, since that's the the one we're all building up to. Um, probably not a surprise. <laughs> I love this film. I I've actually seen this before. Because I, I, I like a good vampire movie, and this got great reviews. And also, I like Swedish things, and this is a, obviously a Swedish film. So that always that's always going to be a point in its favour for me, because I speak a little Swedish, and I like. I know I've been to Stockholm, so there was a lot that I recognised in this film. Not so much the undead children, but you know, just you know, <laughs> the, the the songs in the background, and they're, they're very sweet. I think Sweden. It's not a country you really associate with vampire films. You know, you think of more like Romania and Transylvania, that kind of Eastern European thing. But I think Sweden's a great setting for this film because it's obviously it's got that very like chilly quality. You know, it, everything's dark and cold all the time, and everything feels a little bit emptier because it's not the most like hugely populated place in the world. You know, compared to like London or something. You know, and I just think the Swedish kind of personality with you know Scandinavians are known for being a little bit a little bit introverted and a little bit dour almost like not the most emotionally open and i think it all just it just really there's a great atmosphere to this film i think and i agree i think it's not your typical vampire movie i think it does it does it in such so many interesting ways that we'll probably talk about but yeah watching it again this week i was only reminded how much i liked it i really really enjoy it i think it's a really good film i've never seen the american remake i've heard it's good but i've just never got around to it i'd be interested to see 
how similar it is because there's a lot of stuff in this that I think maybe you could only get away with as a foreign language movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if the American version toned some of that, some aspects of it down. But I don't know. Having not seen it, you tell me. From what I remember, it doesn't. Uh, oh, really? Okay. I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you the the main differences. I, the main impression I got from the from the American remake was that it was pretty faithful, almost to the mm. point of well, what's the point of, of having it, you know, mm. other than to have it in English instead of a uh, uh, Swedish? Because it's. Uh, I don't remember any major differences. Uh, maybe one that we'll get to uh, when we get to it on, on this version. But for the most part, I just remember it's well acted. It has a, a really good cast. It's uh, Richard Chloe Jenkins, Grace Moretz, right? Yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz is the vampire. Richard mm-hmm. Jenkins as her caretaker. And then mm-hmm. uh, the little boy is is one of those little boy actors that are, are well known, or at least mm-hmm. used to be back then. Uh, so it's it's pretty good. But I also, after watching it last night or rewatching uh, the Swedish version, I was curious about what the translation to just the setting you know because like you were saying it's it's very specific the way it's set in in sweden Mm. and uh, that landscape and that personality uh, that culture it really works for the kind of story that's being told i mean you can kind of buy that in that community you know this vampire could maybe just go undetected Mm -hmm. and you know in the way they they do but maybe not so much in a in a you know if it was set in new york or whatever and i'm pretty sure that the setting is contemporary in the american remake so and i don't remember how they how they handle that so i'm i'm also i'm eager to revisit it yeah i'll have to rewatch it sometime Jag lever på blod. Ja. Är du... Död? Nej. Märks inte det. Men liksom... Är du gammal? Okay, so moment of truth. What did you think? <laughs> you guys have picked up my opinion way too much. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought this film, it took a while for me to get into it. Mm-hmm. It's got a very slow start. Uh-huh. You say that a lot recently. Yeah, well, maybe we just done a lot of very slow films, John. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is definitely a slow film. It's not a... I just want to know if you really like slow. it more than uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah. Uh, I like it more than Dangerous Liaisons. I like it more than anything Glenn Close has done. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you cleared that low bar, Julio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, like, the last film that we did that wasn't slow was Lesbian Vampire Killers. So. True. The bar's not Jesus. high. Did right you now. like this more than Lesbian Vampire Killers? <laughs> yes, I did. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Let's rank the season. Okay. Go for it. What we do in Shadows. That's your favourite. Okay. Mm-hmm. This. Okay. So, oh, you know, good. good. Strong okay. strong number two right there. Yeah. Then uh, Vampire's Kiss. Okay. And you liked Vampire's Kiss, so that's... Uh... Mm, not necessarily, but... Well, you enjoyed <laughs> Vampire <it>. Killers <laughs> and Dracula. Okay, fine. Cool. <laughs> the bottom three films, like... They're, they're yeah, not... there's, a, there's definitely a gap there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, definitely uh, top two vampire movies in the world, in my opinion. Okay, of the ones we've watched. Yeah. Um, if you had to throw an interview with the vampire in there, which we did, didn't do in this season, but we've done before. Ooh, I don't remember it as well, but I think I'll put it below this. I think I enjoyed this a little bit more. Okay, oh good, yeah. okay. This one had a slow start, but 
it sold me within the first 15 minutes, I think. Yeah. It's very atmospheric, I think. Like very once you get into what yeah. it's what it's doing. It helps a lot that it's visually very pleasing to look at. Oh, it really is, yeah. Yeah. It it, it looks fantastic and so there's there's always little details to see and it's just a whole sort of world that I don't live in because I don't live in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really gives you a sense, doesn't it? Like I mean I've been there so I don't I mean not that I've been to those specific towns, but like I know what Swedish like streets and you know I know what Sweden feels like, you know, to walk walk around at night and stuff. Uh but yeah, I think it really gives you a sense of like, like I said, the coldness it's and the sense of being there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It really has a, a like. I feel, I feel like I'm there when I'm yeah. watching this, and that really helps it. And I, I guess that got me through the first 15 minutes before anything had really. Uh, well, 15 minutes is a bit mean, really, but I was going to say before anything became interesting, mm-hmm. things became yeah. interesting then. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. Okay. I really like the performances in it, and uh, yeah, some yeah. compelling characters, especially the not Richard Jenkins guy. Yes, yes. Hawking <laughs> in this one. Yeah. We'll just call him not Richard Jenkins. Richard no. Jenkins, perfect casting for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I didn't know that was him. I, I, I'm excited to watch that remake now. Mm. But yeah, and I think you're right about the visuals because this is obviously not a high budget film. I think it used its budget obviously very well because it looks great. Mm-hmm. Like this, all, all the all the the setting and the snow is amazing. But also, what few effects they use, they use incredibly well. There's mm. some really gorgeous shots in this that I really appreciated. Yeah. Like really cleverly thought out like mm-hmm. this uh, well, i'll talk about specifics when we get to them in like we're talking about the plot but mm. yeah i think it's a very attractive film mm. yeah. yeah yeah they're they're pretty smart about the way that they frame uh all the supernatural stuff mm. so that it's still it gives you a jolt it's still you know it makes an impression but it's clearly you know they don't have the budget for a big cgi special effects extravaganza mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they they have to be pretty smart about the way that they they do these things i think the only effect that kind of made me go huh is uh when you get all the cats the cat i knew you were gonna say the cats yeah, yeah. that is a that one's coming that is that that is a that's a scene that feels like it's lifted from kind of a different movie yeah that was that that, that was pretty rough <laughs> that snapped me right out of my golf I, I enjoyed the scene, but the, the special effects on them, they just stood out as nowhere yeah. near uh, the level of the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. But but other than that, it's good. And I really, especially on this rewatch, I noticed how much they play with uh, depth of field, where so much of it is just, you know, it'll focus on one person, usually the little kid, usually Oscar, and just everything else around him is blurry. Mm-hmm. Everything is constantly out of focus, and it really works with this idea that, well, he's alone. You know, and so many of the characters in the movie, or at least the three main characters, are just isolated. And so the fact that they keep showing them it's just being by themselves, even when they're surrounded by people on the frame, it, it was just, it was really, really working for me. Uh, I don't know that I noticed it the first time I watched it, but definitely this time around that, that stood out. Mm, definitely agree. And it plays around really well with what you don't see or what you're not necessarily looking at. Like, obviously, the, the last shot of the film or the end of the film in the swimming pool, like the way it handles that what happens there is you know is really well done because you don't actually see anything you only see mm. from his perspective and then you see the aftermath and then you realize what's happened mm-hmm. but my favorite shot in the film by far is the hospital mm. when she oh, goes yeah. yeah when she ellie goes to visit hawk and the, the the old man and then she goes outside again and the nurse follows her out and you just see 
you see the nurse against the backdrop of the hospital and you don't know where he, Ellie is and you think maybe she's going to jump and kill the nurse or something. Mm-hmm. And then she's been there the whole time, but you've been uh-huh. not really been primed to look at her. And I then c- she starts climbing up the wall. I, can't, I, can't, I kind of saw that coming and I was looking for it. It took me a while to find it. Right. And I was like, <laughs> it's like oh, where's I was Wally? Like, I was like, oh, is, is, that, is that it? Is that it? I kept my eye on it. And then it moved. And I was like, yes, I got it. Oh, well done. I, 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 was, I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I wasn't sure if you were going to see her like flying up from behind something. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. I really didn't know. But yeah, I... I enjoyed that bit. I'd actually forgotten that that I, shot was there, so I was actually genuinely surprised by it when she started I thought, moving. I thought you meant the, uh, the the shot later on with the other person, the other vampire in the hospital, who oh, yes. gets the blinds opened. Mm. Like, that was really well done. Oh, that, that was brilliant. That, that looked fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, okay, so before we get much further, Julio, do you want to give us a plot summary? And we'll try and talk through everything in order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. So we have uh, a little boy, probably 12, I know that the the vampire claims she's twelve, so let's say that he's twelve as well. Mm-hmm. He is uh he's not very popular at school, he's constantly bullied and uh lives alone with his mom. His dad seems to be not absent, but definitely they've they've separated. And so he, he's definitely a lonely kid. And one day this family of two moves next door, this old guy and a uh, little girl, and uh he meets a little girl and starts a friendship that develops into some sort of pretty chaste romance. But of course, it turns out that the girl's a vampire and uh, the man that's with her is basically her caretaker. He goes out at night and kills people, drains their blood, feeds <laughs> no, her. I, not very successfully, I should say, his attempts <clears throat> at killing people on oh, her no, behalf. I, I, I loved how bad they were. Yeah. <laughs> Just but so, that's crazy, right? Because so, he's so, clearly... So Right, but he's been doing it for a while. I mean, you'd expect mm. him to be good at it, or is mm. it just that old age has hit him and now he's not as good as he used to be? Maybe. I was wondering how he got this far into that line of work without getting caught yet. Yeah, so because it seemed like he planned the ball out, but then it just mm. things just kept going kind of comically awry. Like yeah. the first time that poodle, Ricky, the Ricky the heroic yeah. poodle comes in and like he's discovered, and then the second time, well, the second time he's just sloppy. He just tries to kill a boy mm. in a school when his friends are literally waiting outside. Which mm. is, yeah. if you're taking that long to to like tie someone up and you know slowly drain the blood, mm-hmm. you're gonna want to wait till they're alone. Mm. In my experience, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. <laughs> All right, so so she has this kind of incompetent caretaker who, on top of everything, seems to be getting a little jealous of her relationship with the kid and this friendship because she clearly likes the kid and, uh, and the kid likes her. That, that's uh, one thing I thought for a potential sequel to this that I don't know if anybody's done or thought could actually work as a prequel as well, that basically it's a cycle where somebody dies and then she meets a new person and mm-hmm. makes them fall in love oh, with I, her and yeah. then... Oh, I definitely, that's definitely, I mean... You'd think that that man was, like, a previous lover when he absolutely, was 12. Absolutely, because she's been 12 for a very long time, so mm. maybe he was... Right. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, this is based on a book, and I, I've not read the book either, but I did some research into the book, and apparently, I don't think that's how the book paints it, but I definitely, watching the film, felt like that was a possibility. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's pretty clear, at least they're, they're heavily implying that that the old man was Oscar at some point, you know, yeah. he, he was like Oscar, mm. somebody that she kind of groomed, which is why the second time around you watch this movie, it just becomes a lot creepier because mm. the entire movie, I'm, I'm wondering if Ellie, the little vampire, the girl, how genuine she is and whether her relationship with Oscar is one of, uh, you know, actual love or where she actually cares for him or is it just that she is actively preparing the replacement for 
for her current caretaker who can barely do it, you know, competently now. I mean, there's all these shots where the old man, once you know how the story goes, and you see all the, all those shots of the man just looking at him, and you can just see that he's looking at somebody who, you know, he used to be back in the mm. day. <laughs> he can tell that he's about to be replaced. He can see where things are going. So it's it's definitely that extra layer of just uh, I don't know. It's just something that makes it even more unsettling because even when the I guess the friendship is blossoming and you think that things are going okay, really you could say that. It, they're not because this little kid is just getting trapped into a sort of a, I don't know, like, you know, the, the old man is kind of this girl's slave and you can easily see that after the end of the movie, Oscar could grow up to be the same thing. Definitely. I think we see a lot of vampire movies now that kind of romanticize being a vampire, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like they, they make them quite these like soft, tortured souls. But in this film, it doesn't really shy away from the fact that even though she's quite sympathetic in places and she does seem to have genuine feelings for Oscar, she is also a monster. Like, she will kill innocent people and doesn't seem to particularly, you know, mm. nobody she kills deserves to die, you know. Also, the fact that she's a child, it's it's like she's still got the, in many maturity. ways, she's still, sorry? She's still got the maturity of a child. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not like she's an adult trapped in a child's body, yeah. even though she might have lived, been alive for a long time. She still has this, like, she has tantrums and she mm. has, like, she seems to be in a very, like, childish headspace. And I think that's, you kind of get that with Kirsten Dunst's character in Inst- Interview with the Vampire, but I think this does it in a much more kind of... And I thought that's, that was good too. But I think this film does much more interesting things with that and it really it makes you think. So I think it's a really, really interesting character and a really kind of interesting setup, which I've not really seen before in a vampire movie. So yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, there are moments though when she seems wise beyond her years, which makes sense because she's been around for so long. So it's, uh, it's interesting mm. because... I mean, she even says that she's been 12 for a long time and that seems to give you a window into what it's like to be her and that, mm. yeah, she's perpetually 12 and like you said, she's, I guess in a way, she's always a preteen. But also, I mean, she's been around for so long that she has to have wisened up. She's she's so far ahead of Oscar, right? And she's talking to him like an adult would talk to him sometimes, whether it's by leaving him poetry or just by <laughs> telling him that he needs to defend himself. There are times where she certainly sounds a lot more like an older sister giving advice than just a contemporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, the old man gets caught. He messes it up one way too many. And uh, in order to avoid detection, he pours acid on his face. So he wouldn't be recognized. Yeah, and that, that, that that's, scene was rough. That's brutal. Mm. I mean, you the, you don't understand what he's doing at first. He's just pouring something on his face, but then when you see him at the hospital, and just mm. half his face is gone, he can't talk. And I think this is the first time that we we see that the title of the movie makes sense because she can't go into his hospital room unless he invites her in, but he mm. can't invite her in because he can't speak. So mm-hmm. he has to open the window and just let her feed from him before he just dies he he falls off the window um which is crazy that's you know we're talking about favorite shots or beautiful shots and to me that moment which is comes right after the one john said where she's climbing up the the building and now she's he's on the bed and she's outside the the window and you can see the snow falling outside it's just it's so beautifully framed and and you think that she's there because she cares for him and maybe she is but really, in the end, it turns out that the, the main reason she's there is so she can feed <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and kill him, basically, or, or or help him die, whichever way you'd rather look at it uh, mm. before she moves on. So uh, that's, that's a pretty, pretty awesome moment. And then 
the old man is gone and now it's just about uh, Oscar and Ellie and then uh you kind of have the the subplot on the side of the bullies which are horrible I've it always feels like I always feel like bullying looks so much worse in movies until I I hear stories of how it goes in real life and no it's just that I guess I was lucky enough growing up that I was never bullied but it it's you know, like the things that Oscar goes through here, or rather, the things that the bullies get away with are just, mm. just outrageous, right? Mm. And uh, I, I think that part of the of the story is that you're waiting for Oscar to fight back, and of course, that's what he does, inspired by his relationship with Ellie, where uh, he eventually strikes back at the main kid that's been harassing him day in day out, and that of course comes back to bite him. Uh, towards the end of the movie but it's uh, you can definitely see a change in, in Oscar from being like this shy put upon kid to somebody who starts getting a little bit of confidence and that also kind of affects his relationship with uh, Ellie because eventually he she, he kind of figures out that she's a vampire uh, he puts together the clues <laughs> he sees is, how is she it, reacted to blood and is it me or is it, is it just because it's I knew it was a vampire movie was it not really obvious that she was a vampire right away well, I mean, like you say, you know you're watching a vampire movie. He doesn't know he's in a vampire movie. Mm. <laughs> I feel like it's the case it's, it's the case for a lot of the films that we've watched this season. Like, yeah. you should know this person is a vampire straight away. Sure, but I guess these films exist in a world where you, people don't know vampires exist. Like, if you met someone who, you know, or if you met someone who you only ever saw at night who was you know, a bit pale think, and weird, that, you wouldn't immediately think, oh, they must be the living dead. I think, I think that the film that actually did it the best, or no, that did that bit the best of our season... Mm-hmm. Probably lesbian vampire killers. That's probably oh the one God. where, where, where the, the characters first worked out. We were in a vampire movie. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just because that movie has no interest in plot. Like, well, well, yeah, yeah. So sure. it's just like, well, rather than have a plot, let's just be like, oh yeah, great, the lesbian vampires. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> I don't. Know, yeah. Are you saying that they are the smartest characters that we've encountered this season? Then, James Corden and Matthew Horn. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Okay, that's. Uh... But they That's might they, they 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 might be they got through this pretty fine. I guess I, I, if you, if you compare them actually to every other main character in all of this season, okay, everybody like who's not like, a vampire. Themselves. Yeah, he, he, he's not a vampire. They pretty much all either die or become vampires by the end of the movie. Anthony Hopkins in Dracula, Van Helsing. He he knows what's up. Ah, uh, he does know what's up. Yeah, but also there there's conspiracy with that guy he was he was also around 400 years ago why is he 400 years old what's well, going okay, on there sure. there's something mm. up right there no that's true yeah um i don't know what to tell you uh, <laughs> look at um what we do in shadows they bring people in and come on like when they're when they're sat around the dinner table and yeah well about, that's like, i could for... swear you were a virgin yeah. like their blood's good i know yeah like... but i mean yeah that's a comedy and that's obviously those characters you have to let's be talking about isn't a comedy well, it's allegedly a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, for this film, he's, uh, he's a kid. Like, mm. he's, I think it's understandable that he wouldn't immediately think, oh, she must be dead. Like, and I think the, I think the way he figures it out is really good. I loved, that scene was so tense. Like, and it is, it's one of those movie things. I don't know, do people really do this? That this Because it's, it's such a movie trip where kids, when they become friends, like, they cut their hands and swap blood and stuff. It's like... <laughs> Does, does any kid act? Was maybe maybe because I know this film's set in the eighties. Maybe it was like a big thing in the eighties because mm. obviously in it they do it and in straight and Goonies they do it. I think like it's so dirty, but it was so. It, it was I forgot again. It was a scene I'd forgotten because it's been a long time since I first watched this film. But it's a really good way to do it because like it was so tense. I was like, oh, big mistake, mate, mm. huge. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'd forgotten what happens and how it plays out. So it was. I thought it was a really good way of. 
establishing their relationship and also giving him an opportunity to figure out what mm-hmm. she was. Did you notice that her face changes for just like one yeah. shot, mm. which was crazy? Yeah. I, I I hadn't noticed, and it's she looks older and. Oh creepier. yeah, that, that shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, that happened. That actually, I thought I noticed that happens a lot. Like it's very subtle, but when she hasn't fed for a while, she looks older and paler, and they make her look more ghostly. But I thought they did it in a really good sort of way where it wasn't like too heavy-handed. But there was something about her eyes as well. They were yeah. very big. They're very big, very blue. Yeah. And I think that's. It. I think when they made her skin paler with makeup, obviously, mm. it, it made her eyes pop even more because yeah. they're so so piercing. It was just blue. something unnerving. Oh yeah, totally. It. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. They did a very without like being. It's like the opposite of Gary Oldman in Dracula, which I also think is great. But you know, like that really went all in on the makeup. Yeah, there was, just there, there, there was no subtlety to that, and this no. one was all subtle. This one was just little subtle cues that you can yeah. pick up on that just made it slightly off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But there's this this really, I mean, it's a really good scene, but also it just shows how much uh, Oscar has changed, I guess, because after he finds out that she's a vampire, they have the big moment where she comes to visit him. She looks great, so that means that she's fed recently. Mm. And uh, he won't invite her in and just to see what happens, and he kind of starts teasing her. He he starts acting a little bit like the bullies mm. act with him. Yeah, this is one of the first moments where I'm started feeling really uncomfortable about this character. Mm-hmm. And just about some, his character. Yeah, and just something is very wrong about this guy, and he is not likable, and... He is going to go on to do some very bad things in his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has that. There, there's some red flags around because it sh- shows that he has that uh, sort of a scrapbook where he has all these uh, newspaper clippings of just. I don't know if it's just the, the murders that have happened since uh, Ellie arrived in town because it seems like he had a whole bunch even before she showed up. So maybe he just kind of he's obsessed with just gruesome true crime stories. Mm. I mean, he does say in school that he reads a lot of stuff and he listens to the news. So maybe, I don't know, there's that. And then, you know, just the fact that there's this kid that he's constantly, he's constantly bullied and terrorized and watching it last night. I mean, I was thinking of the Joker parallels because, you know, I mean, you guys uh, reviewed Joker pretty recently. And uh, Mm. so, you know, you know, it's just a movie where it's, you know, Joker is like two hours of a guy just being bullied and (laughs) terrorized without getting a break and mm-hmm. here that's kind of what Oscar's life seems to be you know the child version of it until Ellie shows up and so it's crazy because suddenly he finds that he he seems to find some sort of exhilaration on the fact that he he has a something that nobody else does which is a, a vampire girlfriend mm. and then at the same time he seems to have power over her just by the fact that he knows her secret and then he kind of knows some of her limitations. Yeah, I agree. The first time he meets Ellie is when he is literally stabbing a tree and like <laughs> fantasizing about stabbing the bullies who are bullying him. So, and there's a point in the film where after he does find out that she's a vampire, she says, well, you're the same as me. And it was kind of ambiguous what she meant, but I took it to mean that like, yes, yeah, she's a killer and he, he would be if he could be kind of thing. So I think that's potentially the connection that they have. Like that he's got a lot of this darkness inside him and she kind of, allows him to express that yeah uh but it's cool because i mean he has that moment where she comes in to the house and now we know what happens when a vampire comes in and you haven't invited them Mm. uh she just starts breaking down her body starts just falling apart and and then he freaks out and and just takes it back invites her in hugs her that seems to be a, a turning point on their relationship and they kind of erased it they were going steady but now she's at the point where she's uh sleeping in the in the bathtub at her place and t- 
telling him that he can just hang out while she sleeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly trusts him more. Yeah. Uh, but we have uh, that other subplot I forgot about the, I guess, the locals. Mm. Oh, well, the drunks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who've been slowly disappearing because this girl <laughs> needs to feed. And it's eventually been too much. There's uh, She attacked the girlfriend of one of the guys, but didn't get to kill her because the guy uh, interrupted them. And so I guess in this world, if a vampire bites you and doesn't kill you, you become a vampire. So this lady... Yeah, because when she kills the first guy, the first drunk guy, she's, you see after she's drained him, she snaps his neck. Right. I guess, I guess that's to stop him from turning. Yeah, I don't remember uh, what the lore is in like some of the other movies that you guys have done. I remember how it happens on uh, what we do in the shadows. Uh, mm. I don't interview with the vampire. You have to drink from the vampire's blood. That's before. usually how it works. Yeah, the vampire has to then give you his... Oh, that was the same in Dracula as well. And what we do in the shadows. Yeah, the vampire has to then give you his blood. So in this one, obviously, they've just decided to ignore that and have their own thing. <laughs> I like how we we all just know the rules of being a vampire now. Well, we've watched like four films that I've you know. <laughs> Five. Five, yeah. yeah. It's this completely made-up monster and it's got its weird set of rules and yet we know it all very well now. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're assuming that we know them very well. <laughs> it could be <laughs> yeah. that there's something else going on underneath and we're just not aware of it. True, mm. true. But yeah, this this guy's girlfriend, she starts suffering from vampirism. They they put her in the hospital. She's very sensitive to light. And uh, she... She's even more sensitive to cats. <laughs> yes, that's the, the big cat scene before she gets uh, put in the hospital. She comes out from sleeping who knows for how long and... They have this friend that has, I don't know, 40 cats in his house. There's always a crazy cat person in these movies. And they always... <laughs> what What is the correlation between owning a lot of cats and always being the person who witnesses the murder? Yeah. Like, if you own a, more than one cat, you will witness a murder at some point. You'll be, you'll be outside stroking your cat on your balcony. Someone's going to die. And you're going to watch it. <laughs> right. And you would, think, you would think that that's just so that people won't believe him. Right, because yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, it's a crazy cat guy. But in this movie, they believe him. I mean, they they follow him, and then they see blood where he says mm. the murder happened. So so they buy it. So he just has the cats, I guess, so we can have the awesome cat scene. Yeah. Where... Well, Harry asked me the other night. I'd seen the film he hadn't, and he said to me, John, is this one a funny film? Will it make me laugh? And I was like, it's not a funny film, but there is a scene that will make you laugh. And obviously, I was referring to the cat scene. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make you laugh, Harry? It did. It I mean, did. how could it not? It's so it's, almost slapsticky. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, like you said, Julio, it's just so it it really catches you out. Yeah. Because the film has looked so good so far, and then suddenly it's just it's not even there for long. No. Really, it's just like, oh my god, that's like a cartoon. It's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. It's, <laughs> it's mental. Oh, not just that. I mean, also what is happening yeah. at the same time, like. This is crazy. Because it's so get... much bigger than the rest of the film. so quiet and small. And <laughs> yeah. Suddenly you have a woman being attacked by a dozen cats and running around screaming. It's just not the same film. So no. it's really, no. it really catches you <laughs> off guard. So I, yeah, I, I laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was mental. Yeah. So the cats put her in the hospital, really. It's not that mm-hmm. the, the vampire bite put her in the in the hospital. She she kind of just went and put a bandage on that. Mm. But then she comes out, the, the cats jump on her. She falls down the stairs, I think. And that... That leaves her to in, in the hospital, and then she she seems also pretty as aware as Oscar, I guess, of how it goes with vampires because she she can tell that she's being infected with something and she wants to die, and she can tell that sunlight uh, hurts her, so she tricks the doctor into opening the blinds, and then she bursts into flames, and it's mm. pretty awesome. I would love to see the medical notes, yeah, like the report on that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cause of death. 
Who's who's the doctor that said that she was ready to go that she could uh, she could go back home because that's yeah. what the guys said they they're like oh yeah you'll be able to get to go home pretty soon just to get a blood sample so uh, mm. yeah that guy doesn't work there anymore he's got some explaining to do <laughs> <laughs> okay so this this leads to the boyfriend uh, you know he's lost his friend he's lost his girlfriend and he starts putting things together they know that it's a little girl that's been attacking people. And then he spots the apartment of, you know, the new girl in town. So he goes in there just as uh, Ellie is sleeping in her her bathtub covered and um, Oscar is kind of guarding her. And then he comes in and he's ready to, I guess, rip the blinds open. And I don't think that he, he knows that she's a vampire or maybe he does. I don't know. What do you guys think? Was he because he pulls the yeah, knife out. He did. You think so? You uh-huh. think that he was going to just let the sunlight hit her? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he certainly knew that she was involved, obviously. Mm. So, as a, again, I thought it was... A, I think well, if this he, film had been a less brave film, a, a more run-of-the-mill film would have made his character, like, a real lowlife, like, so you could really side with Ellie and Oscar in this. But he's just a perfectly nice guy. He doesn't deserve what happens to him. No. He just has his girlfriend and his best friend murdered, mm-hmm. and then he tries to figure out what's happening, and then he gets horribly murdered too. So, I get it. I think it makes you... Like, the film doesn't try too hard to make you side with Ellie and Oscar. It really leaves things in a real grey area, which I, re- I always really mm-hmm. like. I like it when films don't just say, well, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, yeah, Oscar calls out to her. She wakes up, kills the guy. Mm-hmm. Oscar is horrified, I guess. You know, this is the first time he's seen her in action. So that's another cool moment because you get to see him just kind of take in the, the kind of creature that she is. It mm-hmm. was hilarious when he just, he sees that happening. He's like, I'm just going to close this door and just walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. And what happens will happen. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's called breaking and entering. That guy had no business Mm. being there. Yeah, Uh, just self-defense, yeah. So then she says goodbye because she's figured out, obviously, if this guy found her, that means that other people can find her. It's too much. They've been too sloppy with with the, the blood trail. She needs to go. And she just says goodbye to him. And I think this scene might be the biggest argument against what I'm saying, that maybe she's manipulating him. Because if you read it as a sincere goodbye, she's really just, you know, mm. she's she's not even trying to. She doesn't say, you should come with me. She just says mm. goodbye. But, of course, the fact that she doesn't really leave could also help you read the scene as not a real goodbye. She's not being sincere. She's just setting him up because she knows that she's going to come back anyway later. But yeah, he's he's alone now again. And uh, the bullies, so the the guy that, the bully that he hurt before when he fought back, he has an older brother. And mm-hmm. so they, they set up a trap for him at this pool where he usually goes to work out. And uh, I've got do... some questions about this. So they set up a diversion for essentially the lifeguard. The, like apparently the only person in the, the only adult in the pool at the yeah, time. Yeah, the supervisor, yeah. Yeah, the lifeguard has to go out and check out this fire that's happening in a dumpster outside. Yeah. The fire's not really a threat to anything. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's a dumpster fire. And, and, and he's just leaving multiple children in the pool. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so, only like so, 10 so, people so, so, in so, town. Yeah, okay, okay, sure. But like, so there's that problem. Yeah. And then there's also that, yeah, the guys come in, they get all the kids out of the pool. Yeah. Very easily. <laughs> and like, no, none of the kids are like, what? Who are you? Well, I mean, he's older and he has a knife. Would eight-year-old Harry not have run away? Sure, sure, sure. Oscar did not. No. Oscar was very much just stand there and carry on. 
Well, and he was in the pool. He had no escape opportunity. Other people were in the pool. Um, but the, the kid didn't want anyway, that. Anyway, so one of the kids takes over from the lifeguard. Yeah. One of the bullies takes over from the lifeguard. Oscar just carries on with, <laughs> with, with, with whatever weird water activity he he's doing. He wants to get his lengths in, you know. <laughs> well, but it's not in that <laughs> but, order. But See, like, that, it doesn't yeah, happen like no, that. You're, you're, you're right. I've, I've got a bit of the order wrong. But it was one of the guys who we recognised as the bully, like part of the bullies gang, right? Yeah. Who, who was... Uh, next to the lifeguard, and then carries on after the lifeguard goes. Oh wait, no, that I think that kid's not part of the group that bullies him. I think that oh, that kid not? obviously oh, is sorry. complicit at that point, but I don't think he's one of the. I think he's the one of the kids who's been like somewhat sympathetic to Oscar through the whole film, mm-hmm. in, in all of the three scenes that he's in. I mean, um, <laughs> and then, but at this point, he obviously rats him out. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he's one of the main bullies. Mm-hmm. To be fair, well, it's more like there's like the kid that's the main bully who has an older brother, and then he has the two flunkies that follow him around, and they seem really uncomfortable with the bullying, but they follow mm, through mm. anyway. And then when uh, when Oscar fights back and, and hits the, the main bully in the ear, the other two suddenly become friendly, and I guess his mistake is that he believes that they're okay now. Because, you know, they even joke around mm. with him a couple times in school, and so when this kid replaces the lifeguard, I, I totally buy that Oscar is just being naive and doesn't realize that, no, he has ulterior motives. It is crazy, though. I mean, it's a hell of a setup because also the way that the older brother puts it, it's either they're going to make Oscar drown or they're going to take his eye out. So it's it's pretty heavy stuff. And uh, it's it's a major crime, basically. And they're just going to do it kind of in the open. You know, yeah. I don't know how, how long they were planning to spend there and what was their plan if somebody walked back in, either a kid or another adult. Uh, yeah, this, are there security cameras in this swimming pool? Because, I don't know, I guess not. I mean, in this film, they really do make Sweden look like Soviet Russia. Yeah, well, it's the 80s, it's 80s <laughs> Sweden as well. Like, it's, you know, it's it's 30 odd years ago. So I think like, sure, yeah, sure. technology is not what it is. Now, <clears> but, yeah. Also, again, backing up my idea that Oscar is an idiot. Yeah, okay. Um, it would be- <laughs> Is very... that your main thesis statement for this film, Oscar is an idiot? <laughs> He's a 12 year old kid, Harry. <laughs> Yeah, but so are most of the people in this. <laughs> like when that when the bullies are threatening him there and trying to drown him or poke his eye out. Yeah. First of all, he doesn't have any sort of like uh, I don't really want to try and hold my breath for three minutes and you're scaring me. There was none of that at all. He was more sort of like, okay, I'll take that bet. That. <laughs> but also, I mean, I'm not sure if he can swim. But he could definitely sort of kick himself out into slightly more of the middle of the I pool. did think that too. Like, Go to the middle. Go, yeah. yeah, and like if he did that, whether he can swim or not, I don't know. But I don't think those bullies were going to humiliate themselves by jumping in the pool. Yeah. I don't think there was going to be a swimming chase. I did. Yeah. That, that's to be fair. That, that did like cross my mind Just get a couple meters deeper and yeah. you're probably safe. Yeah. Just tread water till the lifeguard comes back. Yeah. You're fine. And that, that, that's it. No, no, no sort of like, oh yeah, I reckon I can hold my breath three minutes. Mm. Yeah, that'll do it. Maybe he's just like very fatalistic. He's like, well, this is going to happen one way or another now. So, you know. Yeah, sure. Life's well, beating him down. Okay. Well, if that's the case... How is he going to be a good guy to be going out and murdering people to go and get blood for uh, the vampire? Well, maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll just turn into the old guy and be really incompetent as it. But, like, really quickly. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe that's going to play into our sequels. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really hope we have an old guy with the same idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I very much doubt you've come with my idea. I think that if the if the pool was smaller, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the problem is yeah. that when you look at the pool, it really feels like he has a lot of room to go. But at the same time, I'm happy buying it because I think that he's just scared. He's terrified. He's not thinking strategically. He's just thinking, okay, what's the easiest way to get out of this without, you know, with the least amount of harm? 
And yeah. obviously, just giving it a shot at holding his breath for three minutes is probably what came to be uh, the, what looked like the best option. And ultimately, it's a bit of dramatic license to lead us to one of the coolest sequences in the film. Yes. So, true, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's being held underwater, and then suddenly you see just hints of what's happening overhead you know outside of the pool you see some feet hit the water and be dragged around and then you see a severed head fall down and then (laughs) the arm that's holding his head underwater suddenly just starts floating down lets him go and floats down Mm. and then you know he comes out and there's ellie and then all the bullies are dismembered i think one of them is still alive right he didn't yeah the 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 one kid who the one kid who was a bit more hesitant about it is just is is just still sat at the side just like holy shit (laughs) yeah he's gonna be traumatized for life but oh yeah that kid is gonna need a lot of therapy (laughs) (laughs) And, and then that's it basically after that you just see him in a train with a big crate and ellie's in the crate and they're just mm-hmm. uh, communicating via Morse code like they did when they were neighbors. And mm-hmm. they're just leaving together. And then the question is, okay, are they leaving together to some sort of new life where they figure out a way to keep her alive without having to kill people? Or is he just going to become a version of the old man and he's just going to kill people for her? Or is she going to spare him from that and just kill people on her own so that he doesn't become a murderer either way you look at it it's not very likely that it's going to be a happy uh, an actual happy ending uh, oh no absolutely not yeah mm. Mm. but also it's kind of sweet <laughs> yeah. you get to it you're kind of happy that they they're still together and their friendship is their relationship whatever you want to call it it's it's still going and you know they they found each other so it's you know it's that kind of complex ending that makes it so great yeah Definitely. It, it leaves it very open to interpretation, which I always enjoy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So one thing we didn't talk about that uh, is probably worth mentioning is there's a scene in this film. This sounds like the sort of thing of like, hmm, I wrote this very specific thing into my idea, but nobody brought it up beforehand. <laughs> no, so. this, isn't, this isn't in my sequel at all, actually. It's just something <laughs> no, no, that I, I, think, was... I think I know what John's going to say. Actually, there's two scenes that I wanted to bring up that, that didn't fit in, in the summary, sure. but, but, but go for yeah. it. Sure. Well, the reason I was hesitating is that to say, oh, I really want to focus on this scene might make me sound a bit skeevy. When Ellie goes into his apartment, mm-hmm. we see a brief naked shot. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, I'm interested to know if that made the American court, because that feels like something, you know, seeing a 12-year-old girl's mm-hmm. genitals is mm-hmm. probably something or, that would be... Or lack of. Or lack thereof, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing, because it's not, you know, yeah, it, it don't look normal. <laughs> but in the book, apparently, and I don't, the film kind of... <laughs> See, I'm pretty sure you've not read the book, which means that you've looked this up. Yes, well, of course, I looked up as part of trivia for the film. I didn't specifically Google why her vagina looks so crazy. <laughs> it was a plot point that no, in the book she's not because uh, there's other points in the film where when they're in bed together and uh, he says, "Will you be my girlfriend?" and she says, "I'm not a girl," and you think right. she means, "Oh, well, she's she's a vampire." That's mm. what she means. Yeah, but actually. In the book, she's literally not a girl. She's a boy who was castrated mm-hmm. and then became right. a vampire, like okay, in the Middle okay, Ages. Yeah. So, and obviously in the film, they've cast a, a girl mm-hmm. who looks like a girl. So mm-hmm. it's, it leaves it really, I don't know, what did you not, what did you make of that shot? Like if they, did you just think it was just an undead vagina? Or I don't know. I, I, you know, I, 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 I had no idea what it was, Judge. Sure, sure, sure. I, 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 it's a I, weird I, thing to ask, but like. I had no idea, but earlier when she said, I'm not a girl, yeah. like my first thought was, yeah, she's a vampire. And then when he's like, okay. And yeah. like, yeah, sure, will we'll, we'll you still go out with me or whatever? And I was like, okay, yeah. I, see what, I see what that's doing here. Mm-hmm. She's a vampire. He's just open to anything. Yeah, absolutely. Or so he thinks. Yes, sure. But it turns out, yes, he yeah. is open to anything. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, I don't remember. Uh, I, I mean, I knew that that bit of trivia, and I, I think it's because I read it after the fact. I, I know for a fact I didn't know it when I was watching the movie the first time, and I don't remember what my reaction to it was because it really, without any further context, it's really hard to process. It, it's also mm. such a quick shot that you don't really, you're not really sure what you yeah. saw. So, mm. I mean, it sounds funny, but really, undead vagina is not out of the realm of possibilities, you know? It's it's just yeah. like, well, <laughs> she's a vampire. We've seen her bleed from everywhere. Maybe there's something, you know, who knows? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know that it's, obviously, it's not super important to the story because it doesn't really play into anything. They never really go into any sort of, you know, sexual areas here because, you know, he's so young, I guess he's mm. not really, he's just happy to have a girlfriend, but he doesn't really need to do anything with such girlfriend, I guess. And I guess, thankfully, they never go into, like, what sort of relationship the older man has with her. So I, I don't know if it's just one of those things where they included it sort of as a nod to book readers. I don't think it's in the American version because I remember I'd be being surprised if that. it was. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't, I'd be very surprised if that was able to be translated into the American cut because yeah. I feel like that's not something they would very easily i think there'd be a lot of producers being like pull it pull it <laughs> do we really need that shot <laughs> yeah it's also like this girl it, it, the the girl in this version you know she's a little more androgynous in the in the american like we said it's chloe grace moretz, chloe grace which, moretz yeah. you know looks a little more feminine so i think it would be maybe a little harder to to sell that but mm-hmm. uh yeah it definitely you know once you know that that shot it, it becomes it's loaded with meaning as well as every time that she claims that she's not a girl then it has that extra meaning uh mm. the other the other scene that i i wanted to bring up because i also wasn't 100 percent sure what to make of it was uh the the last scene with his dad where a guy comes in and suddenly the dynamic changes and the dad goes from being very happy that he's playing with him and everything to just being very reserved and and you kind of get the feeling that this signifies that this relationship is not really as good as the kid wants. I, I mean, plot-wise, I know it's just basically isolating him more because you you understand that at the end of the movie he leaves because really has nobody behind. He doesn't have a great relationship with his mom, and and this relationship with his dad also seems to be soured. And so the thing is, what's the deal with that guy that comes in? Is that the dad's boyfriend, but the dad's closeted, and so that's why there's tension. Or is the dad openly gay and there's just tension because the boyfriend's kind of an asshole or just the boyfriend doesn't like Oscar? Or or am I reading too much into it and it's just like a roommate <laughs> that just doesn't like the kid? Uh, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I thought that scene was really interesting. That's what I really like about this film. It, it really leaves all of these kind of things. It leaves you little breadcrumbs, but it doesn't tell you exactly what you're supposed to feel. So... I wasn't sure if it was maybe the dad wasn't was like a, a drunk or something, and then he's all all nice and good until he gets with his drinking buddies, and then he doesn't really care about his kid as much. Or maybe, but then I did think it was yeah, it did cross my mind that maybe the maybe the dad had a boyfriend and that was who it was. But yeah, I think it doesn't really tell you, but I think it's uh, it just gives you enough to know that Oscar's deflated in that moment for whatever reason like you suddenly realize that he's, he's not the only thing that matters to his dad for whatever reason so yeah i i guess this time around i just saw it as a reflection of uh the relationship that the old man had with ellie a little bit mm-hmm. you know where she was she was basically she was clearly in control and then when this guy walked into the room it was like suddenly he was the alpha male and the dad just seemed very you know he completely changed so maybe that's why i was reading maybe too much into it but uh but yeah, it, it was it was it's just another interesting bit. 
Anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking of like homoerotic moments, I did enjoy. I did enjoy uh, the drunk guy. Uh, John's catchphrase. My catchphrase. Just uh, anytime I can crowbar that phrase in. Speaking of homoerotic moments, but um, th- when the first drunk guy gets killed, and this when the second drunk guy is obviously really gutted that his best mate's been killed, and he's he's so sad. But when he's like when they're all sat in the crazy cat guy's apartments, and he's like. I've got nothing now. I've lost everything. And the girlfriend's just like, oh, thanks. And she just stopped. (laughs) (laughs) That was an interesting dynamic, those three, clearly, hardly. (laughs) Okay, so maybe maybe what happens is that this little town in Sweden, just your drinking buddies are really the most important relationship you have in your life. And Mm -hmm. therefore... You know, when your drinking buddy dies, your life goes to pieces. You've lost everything. When your drinking buddy doesn't like your son, then, you know, you cut ties with your son. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the Swedes are famous for being very liberal with, you know, very fluid with their sexuality and everything. So who knows what was going on? (laughs) Anyway, speaking of um, drinking buddies, should we do some (laughs) drinking games? Yeah, some drinking games, sure. Okay, so for the last time this season, drink (laughs) for blood. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a vampire season. It's, yeah, uh, it's a bit of a no-brainer. So. Mm-hmm. But also, this this film does the blood really, really well. I thought. I, I think blood on snow always looks really good. You know, yeah, it does. Like it's yeah. that's another reason why it really works having it in Sweden. I think that the, the, the little like, go on. What are you saying? So yeah, some reason that just reminded me. Did either of you two find it funny when they cut the dead body out of the ice? Oh yeah. And they're just like <laughs> wheeling him around on a forklift truck. Yeah. Was that hilarious to anybody else? Or was no, it just no, like... I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like was, was that, that, was that supposed to be like... funny? Was it just? I don't know. I mean, it's like darkly funny. Yeah, but I'm just a weird image. Yeah. Well, that's because yeah, because they throw the body into the ice hole, don't they? Mm. Into like the the little river, mm-hmm. and it being Sweden, they he would be just a frozen. But yes, yeah, maybe chuckle a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> but also, no, not as funny were... as the cats. No, the, the no. cats is easily the funniest part of the film yeah, by yeah. far. Not that this film is like wall to wall chuckles, but yeah. you know when they <laughs> there's definitely moments. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I thought the blood when they do kill that drunk guy when there's just the blood under the snow was done really well. Mm-hmm. Like it just looked, yeah. Mm. Like I said, this film didn't have a lot of gore or a lot of effects, but what it, what it did, it did very well. I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, drink for clever camera shots, or more specifically for like perspective shots. Like we were saying before, when you see something that's been there for a while, but mm. the camera's trained you not really to look at it. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. that's something the film does really well. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, Drink for Bullying, which mm. happens quite a bit. And not just from the school bullies, but it could also be Ellie bullying her caretaker oh, yeah. and uh, and mm. Oscar bullying Ellie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, ooh, there's a lot of different directions there. Lots of, yeah, lots of different power dynamics in the film, which, uh, yeah. yeah, I figured. Yeah. Um, I've also got, well, similar to that, I've got drink whenever anybody says the words piggy or squeal. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they thought of him as a pig. No, again, in the book, he's a fat kid, but in the film, they cast this like skinny little Swedish kid. But, yeah. yeah, it makes sense that they're calling a fat kid a pig. Not yeah. that fat people are pigs, but... Yeah. No, no, but that's I, an I, insult I, I can, I can that see would the bullying logic. logic. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a generic insult, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I should have changed that when they cast a thin person. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, drink for, oh, drink for window shots. Mm. I really liked the way that, because yeah. they're living next door to each other. And I really like the way that they framed a lot of shots where you could see into both their windows at the same time. Mm-hmm. There's lots, and actually there's lots of going in and out of windows in this film. Because mm, obviously, yeah, yeah. like, I guess it plays into the whole vampire thing. Like they, they really obviously lent the title, obviously it really leans into that one particular part of vampire legend is that they can't, they have to be invited in. And so yeah. there's lots of coming and going like when they all when 
she jumps into the hospital window and drains the old man and but yeah specifically just liked all the shots when you could see both of them like through their windows i thought it was mm. very nice yeah yeah i guess building up on that i have a drink for a classic vampire lore so anytime mm. that uh, the movie kind of joyfully reveals a little bit of vampire stuff that we already know that we're familiar with but you know we recognize like uh you know a vampire having to be invited in or just uh when that lady gets burned by the sunlight after she's been mm-hmm. turned or when she re- she takes her bandage off and there's the the classic two uh incisions on her <laughs> neck mm-hmm. all that good stuff yeah it does it, really, it doesn't like overboard you with it it does those ones but it doesn't like there's no like garlic or steaks through the heart or mm. like it does it i think it just sprinkles enough through to be like faithful to what a vampire what we understand vampires to be but mm-hmm. yeah doesn't overkill it in the way that some films do. Yeah. So, and thankfully, nobody exploded into a big giant explosion of spunk. This film, <laughs> which is definitely a benefit compared to certain other films we've watched this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Okay, next one I've got. Drink whenever anybody falls. Okay. Or jumps downwards. Yeah. That's a good one. You know, there's, the, 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 there's a couple of falling out of windows that mm-hmm. Ellie jumps down on, like, out of trees. On oh, the way she kills people. She always seems to jump from above. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, any of that. Yeah. The scene where she kills the first jump guy, look, this isn't, doesn't involve jump. Well, it does. She jumps on his shoulders, I guess, but that was nice and creepy when she pretends she, she's like a little child who needs oh, help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It doesn't. Not like he picks her up. Yeah, that's it. He picks her up because mm. he thinks that she's just. Because she's a little kid. She's mm. a little girl. If you found a little girl in the snow in the middle of the night, you'd obviously try and help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd hope. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's what I mean. It really didn't shy away from the fact that she is a cold blooded killer and she mm-hmm. uses her appearance to make people vulnerable so yeah 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 i thought the kills were done very well uh, have you got any more helio uh yeah i got um drink uh anytime that oscar presents a red flag so mm-hmm. you know we talked about his <laughs> you know all his clippings his newspaper clippings and then anytime that he's just kind of playing with his knife either stabbing things or just kind of just gazing into the reflection um, when he's watching ellie bleed for Way longer than he should. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like when, yeah. He, when he doesn't invite her in, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he's perving on her. Yeah. As well, I mean, we see that shot, but it's it, it's a shot from a pervert. Sure, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I, I also have one that says, uh, "Just drink for awkward prepubescent almost nudity," which, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's not just the undead vagina shot, but there's also just there's a lot of uh, of uh, a few scenes where it's either implied that uh that ellie is is naked we just don't see it or she's mm-hmm. very she's wearing very little clothing and mm-hmm. y- you know it's, there's nothing sexual about it but mm. but there is something just unsettling about it especially because you know she's a vampire and you know that she's in a way she's older than she seems so you kind of wonder again is she trying to seduce oscar in a way or you know it, like i said this entire movie i kept second guessing her intentions her true intentions so but there's plenty of those so drink for those definitely definitely mm-hmm. yeah i had uh, drink for swedish pop music this is a bit of a niche one but obviously <laughs> as somebody who listens to a lot of swedish music i, I appreciate that all the soundtrack was swedish songs like they're right. all always listening to swedish songs never like english language stuff so right you say it wasn't a, a um, abba soundtrack but uh, no sure. no there wasn't any well, one of the songs was by the blonde lady from abba there was a solo track oh, right. and yet i noticed yeah 
It's very niche, but yeah. God, they get everywhere in Sweden, don't <laughs> they? Do. You can't have a Swedish they're like, film. They're like a plague. You can't have a Swedish film without ABBA in there somewhere. It's just not <laughs> possible. It's, it's, it's in the law. It's enshrined in the Swedish constitution. There's not enough good music. Yeah, that's all they've got. <laughs> that eraser bass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one I've got is drink whenever there's any words in English. Okay. Did, was there any? Yeah, it's the occasional one or two. What, what did... I, I don't remember specifically, but just okay. like yeah, cause stuff in the sweet, not everything in the Swedish language has an English version, or a lot of it was names. Well, sure. I mean, I don't think names counts as English. Not, no, not, not like people's names, but like, oh, I don't know. Like products, brands, stuff. Yeah, maybe. Okay. maybe I, I don't no, I'm just know. trying I, to think. I, because... I, I don't remember what they said, but there were definitely a few of just like, oh, that's a word I know. Like, I, oh, okay. I, 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 I didn't need to read that one. <laughs> <I> could... <laughs> I'm sensing the, how you're you were watching this film now like just reaching out for like oh that, that's a word i know <laughs> yeah i've got that got I'm, just words, glad, yes. I'm just glad that you watched the the original swedish track i mean mm. i don't know if you had the option because on the on my blu-ray i could listen to it on the, the english dub and mm. oh uh, they dubbed it oh i hate dubs <clears throat> yeah me too so mm. I, I, I quite like them really like i, I actually know saying that sorry the, the only dubs I've been watching are of uh, anime, which is... Well, uh, anime's different. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's very different. So, no, sorry, I'll take that back. Cartoon. I, yeah, it's not really very popular in, in the UK. We tend, When we get foreign films, we tend to get them subtitled. We don't really get mm. dubbed films here. Yeah. I mean, you get used to it. Like sure. you, you, you get used to it, like, two or three minutes into the film. Yeah. And then you just forget that you're reading. Well, I think there's some children's films that or like that have been dubbed. Like, I think The NeverEnding Story might have been in German originally, possibly. Okay. So, it, it's not unheard of, but mm. most of the time... Yeah, but I think one of the few things we are quite good at in England is watching foreign films with subtitles rather than <laughs> yeah. having them done. And to be honest, when I'm like scrolling down my Facebook timeline and a video comes on, even if my sound is on, mm. most Facebook videos have subtitles and I'll just find myself reading the subtitles. Anyway. You're like my dad. My dad watches everything with subtitles and it drives me nuts. I was visiting my parents this weekend. It drives <laughs> me nuts. He watches everything with like 888 subtitles on. I mean, those ones are there because they're on by default. Yeah, and like the hard colors into the video, I couldn't turn them off for one or two. Yeah, um, no, my dad always watches. And so I just find myself ones. naturally reading them. Yeah, and I don't know. I hate that. I hate that. It's <laughs> it's a real pet peeve of mine. I'm sorry. It's a re- John. I hate- as, as you grow older, your hearing is going to start going, and you're going to have to resort to subtitles just because. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where we're all headed. Yeah. Well, that's it. My dad is deaf. My dad's like 64, and he's deaf as a post, but he won't acknowledge it. So he will. You're pretty close, though, John. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, but he refuses to wear his hearing aids. So basically, every, we all have to suffer from the fact that he uh, makes us watch everything with subtitles on. So I would hope when I get to his age, I will have enough self-awareness. And I'll remember these rants that I've had in the past that I will actually wear a hearing aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will all remember them because they are recorded now in podcast history. Exactly. I'm, I'm committing myself. When I go deaf, you know, long in the future when mm-hmm. I go deaf, yep. I'm committing right now. Make me wear a hearing aid. I'll do it. All right, I'll, I'll let you know. Thank you. I, yeah. I won't be able to hear you, so it's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got. Uh, Julio, you got any more drinking games? Uh, my last one is drink uh, for every hint that Ellie is a boy or was a boy, depending on how mm-hmm. she identifies now. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few. You know, to, Basically, every time she says that uh, she's not a girl, and then I'm like, not a girl. Why don't you have to tell you this, Oscar? <laughs> He's not picking it up on these hints at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just had a drink for Rubik's Cube. Oh, it's a nice, nice. little bit of the Rubik's Cube. Yeah, yeah sure. Mm. Cool, we're done, done with drinking games? I think we are done with drinking games, yeah. Okay, well, 
Julio, you're probably aware of this, but we beyond the box set are available on Patreon.com. I've I've heard. Yeah, you've heard. You being a patron yourself, you have heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, I am a very happy patron. Uh, I am. Uh, you know, are you are you trying to get me to do your uh, your patron spot right now? Because I can. How, <laughs> or at least how, I can try. How do you guess? <laughs> <laughs> Go see how much you can do. Okay, so Harry. let's see. So, <laughs> as a patron, uh, you can pay as much or as little as you want. Uh, it can be a dollar. It can be fifteen thousand, one hundred fifty thousand. I don't know. It's a lot. And then uh, that gives you access to the patron feed where uh, you guys review a new movie every week. It's usually a movie that's Mm -hmm. out in theaters. Every now and then you'll do movies that are just uh, requested. If you're a patron, you also get a 30 minutes spot uh, on one. Close, close. 30 second seconds that. <laughs> spot. That would take up a lot of our runtime if we gave you a 30 minute like a complete infomercial. No, 30 yeah. second spot where you can advertise whatever you want, whether it is a show or your business or yourself or, you know, the brand of shoes you're wearing. And then also uh, you get to pick a movie uh, that you can come in and do like I'm doing right now, or you can just let you guys do it on your own. You also get access to the exclusive patrons Facebook group where uh, we all discuss the movies that you guys are talking about. Plus, we also just make fun of other things and uh, have <laughs> mainly me. <laughs> yeah, have heated discussions so about uh, I don't know Star Wars, Marvel, Midsummer, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's it. So Star Wars, Marvel, yeah. Midsummer. That's great. Bring your but yeah well worth the investment uh, if you're a fan of the show oh thank you Julio that that means a lot thank you yeah yeah so that's all at patreon.com slash beyond the box set and Julio would you like to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about whatever you would like to plug I would assume it would be the Contrarians podcast but it doesn't have to be it's your 30 (laughs) second slot please not 30 minutes Uh, let's go ahead and, and do the, the contrarians, just like the, the less than 30 second uh, spot, which is just uh, you. Uh, we have a we have a show. It's a podcast called The Contrarians. My friend Alex and I, we talk about movies that are either considered fresh or considered rotten on the Rotten Tomatoes website. Uh, if it's a fresh movie, we take the opposite point of view. We talk about it as if it was rotten. We spend the first half of the show just trashing it, pointing out everything that's wrong with it. Um, if it's fresh, we do the opposite. And then on the second half of the show, we tell you how we really feel. Sometimes it's the same as in the orig- in the first half. Sometimes it's different. You kind of have to stick around to find out. But mainly, we're just making, uh, making fun of uh, Rotten Tomatoes and their black and white system and just kind of try to have fun with the idea that art is subjective and you can be excited and enthusiastic over the moon about anything and you can also be really negative and really cynical and very critical of anything you know it's just art uh mm. you know marty scorsese can say that the avengers are not cinema and pff, i mean what does oh, that don't mean? get a stasis <laughs> <That's... laughs> well uh, but... oh, i'd never talk about that You've, yeah I've, I've heard the most recent episode of two geeks two movies i've heard i think i've heard every thought in your head at this point is about martin scorsese and ross's um, that's a 30 minute infomercial yeah <laughs> um i have a question julio Go have you it. guys i've listened to a lot of the contributions I'm, I, but i can't remember have you guys ever done lesbian vampire killers <laughs> I didn't even know it existed until I. <laughs> I would to your... love to hear you. At, I would. I would dearly love to hear you and Alex attempting to spend spending t- actual time attempting to justify that as a good movie. Like that would be that may be your greatest challenge. What what, what movies have challenged you the most that went in terms of like 
it's films that are on the negative side of Rotten Tomatoes. What, what's been the hardest one to like even pretend that you see the positive in? Uh, most recently, it's funny that you asked that because we we recorded our uh, fifth anniversary episode uh, uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago, and we we talked about this kind of stuff, and we both agreed that uh, very recently, Wild Hogs, the John Travolta Tim Allen movie. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's rotten, so we had to talk about it as if it was, as if it was fresh, and it mm. was. It's it's terrible. I don't know if either of you have seen it. If you haven't, don't. No. <laughs> it's it's really really bad. It's, um, but <laughs> Harry's already mentally like putting on his shortlist. Like, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm already mentally vetoing it. Oh, okay. Fine. Um, Julio, is it a fun bad film or is it a bad bad film? Well, are you talking about Wild Hogs? Yeah. It's. It's really bad. I mean, it's just uh, irredeemable. It's not even like, oh, it's so bad, it's fun to watch. It's yeah, okay, veto, veto. Yeah, no, 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 I'm, not, yeah. I'm not. I'm not suggesting no, it. No, me neither. No, it's not happening. And Julio, that's a veto for you as well. I'm, <laughs> if you come on again, you're, you're not doing this. <laughs> they they were gonna have a sequel to it, uh, but then they canceled the sequel after uh, the same director did another John Travolta movie, uh, All Dogs, with uh, Robin Williams, and that one bombed, and so they scrapped Wild Hogs too. So technically, it qualifies for your show. I wouldn't recommend yeah. it though, uh, unless you're doing like really bad movies, like a season of just really bad movies. Uh, Not happening. We'll, we'll we, 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 we already did that this year in uh, in February. Oh. I'll save it for our Tim Allen series. <laughs> <laughs> a month of Tim Allen movies. Sure. Such <clears throat> high qu- so much high quality cinema. Oh god, I don't know I what you every, what you can find other than the Santa Claus. Uh, that's it. Everything. Every decent thing he's done has multiple sequels. So the Santa Claus is like four of them. Toy Story, obviously, right. is like four of them. We've done I, Galaxy Quest. We've done Galaxy Quest, which is yep. genuinely great, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, I think it's Slim Pickens from Tim Allen's cinematic discography. Obviously, you know, Home Improvement is a classic, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, last year we did uh, The Girl Next Door, just for you guys. Oh, and, yes. Or The Boy Next Door. The, the Boy, boy next, next Door. The Boy yeah. Next Door. I, I listened to the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I guess you this did, year we can do, we can do uh, Vampire, no, Lesbian Vampire Killers. Um, yeah, I mean, if it, I, I don't want to kill your podcast, like I, I don't want to be responsible for the end of the Contrarians because I do think it might it might break you. It is, I'd, I would love to hear you attempting to find positives, but is it's going to be a challenge. Is our listenership down? Or is this killed our podcast? Or, are we, or no, 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 no. I just mean that it, this might be the point that breaks their spirits so much that they stop recording. Is what I mean. Like <laughs> we didn't we didn't have to we didn't have the burden of having to like pretend we liked lesbian vampire killers. Imagine if we had to actually mm. try and find positives in that film. There's positives. James Aside Wham. from the boobs. Mm, yeah, I couldn't think of two positives. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would love to hear you do it, but I'm, I don't want to like pressure you into doing something that may well give you a mental breakdown because it is truly irredeemable. <laughs> You've thrown the gauntlet now. Challenge yeah, I, accepted. Yeah, fair. Cool. So look forward to that. But yeah, so the Contrarians, where, if people want to listen to the Contrarians, which I highly recommend, where can they find you? Uh, so, you know, most podcatchers just search for The Contrarians. Uh, we have a website. It's, uh, it's wearethecontrarians.com. Uh, and on Twitter, we're at Contrarian Prime. I, I run that one. So if if, mm-hmm. I'm, if you see tweets from Contrarian Prime, that's mostly me, not Alex. But yeah, uh, just hit us up. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, suggest movies just like John did. Hopefully better movies than that. But yeah, uh, we're <laughs> available. Great. Good stuff. So... Uh, should we get on with sequels? Yes. Uh, do you have any preference, Harry, whether you go first or third? Do we have Julio in the middle? I'll go third. You want to go third? Cool. Mm. Okay. Big finale, Harry. That's a, that's a big yeah. responsibility. Big finish. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I'm going to stick with it. You've committed now. That's mm-hmm. cool. Okay. So I guess that means I start. We've talked a lot in this show already about um, the relationship between Ellie and you know her previous uh, familiar, I guess maybe he might be called. 
Yeah. Hawken, who does the killing for her, and the possibility that Oscar might be on the road to kind of continuing in that cycle. So that's kind of where my sequel's gone. I was kind of thinking about how that might look. Mm. So I was thinking, okay, this film came out 10 years ago. So the challenge here is that we can definitely use the same actor to play Oscar because the whole point is that he's 10 years older. We might have to recast Ellie, which is a shame because I think the original actress is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think she's really good. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I thought it'd be good to explore like where they might be. You know, assuming that the film ended with them actually skipping town Mm. and running off together into the sunset. I thought it might be interesting to kind of pick up on where they might be 10 mm-hmm. years later. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so the film's set in the present day. Well, no, the film's not set in the present day because the original's set in the 80s. So the film <laughs> is set in the 90s. It doesn't oh, matter. My favorite decade. Go for it. Yeah. What, what's going on in the 90s in Sweden or whatever they are? Ace of Base are conquering the world. And, uh, <laughs> that's the big thing, yeah. There's a big ABBA revival, you know, Muriel's Wedding of give, and the Mamma Mia musical have given ABBA a huge revival. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a good time for Sweden. Okay. So Oscar is now 24 years old. Mm-hmm. That's how old the actor is now. Cause it's been mm-hmm. about 12 years and he is still caring for Ellie who of course remains a 12 year old girl in, in body, if not in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, since she cannot age, their relationship has obviously shifted, you know, cause uh, in the original film, they become tentatively boyfriend and girlfriend or mm. whatever that might, that relationship might be. Yeah. By this time, obviously he's aged out of the phase in his life when he feels that that's appropriate. So now he is, now he's basically just looking after her. Like, there's no See, romantic elements to their relationship. That'd be anymore. weird. It would be very weird, yeah. That'd be extremely weird how you just gradually age up out of that. Because what would happen? You'd probably still <laughs> want to be part of that relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's... happened to, uh, to the old guy in the movie. Yeah. Supposedly. I think that's what made... Yeah, that's what's going to make this film interesting. Like, it's going to grapple with... The... Not that I've written so much of that, it's because it's kind of a weird area weird to go into, and... but... Yeah, that, that's oh. classic foreign language films doing like things it. that English films can't do. <laughs> so yeah, I think that a part of this film is going to grapple with that. Like again, I'm not going to go into too much detail because it's not something I've given a lot of thought to. But uh, yeah, like the change in their relationship, I think will be really interesting. Mm-hmm. And now, obviously, if they ever had any kind of sexual relationship, that is no longer the case, you know, because mm-hmm. she's a child and he's now an adult. Mm. Uh, so he's basically at the point that the old ward was at, where he looks after her. So by day, he works a boring job at the checkout of a supermarket. Mm-hmm. And at night, he helps her to procure victims to feed her first for blood, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, because of the fact that they're killers, they have to move around a lot to avoid suspicion. Because I definitely got the sense that she's moved into this town when she was with Hawken. It's it was probably the case that they moved around a lot. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you know, because obviously you can't just be in a small town and kill people indefinitely because you can run out of people to kill mm-hmm. ultimately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've just moved for like the fifth or sixth or seventh times. This new town doesn't matter where, somewhere in Sweden, Gothenburg, who knows? Mm-hmm. He's working a very nondescript, non-attention-seeking job in the day, like in a supermarket, just to pay their way, to pay their rent. And at night, he helps Ellie to find people to kill. Mm. And he cares very deeply about Ellie. Obviously, you know they have this very strong connection. But he's also become increasingly aware that he's trapped in a cycle, and he's worried that he will eventually wear out his usefulness, just in the way that Hawken did. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to be a big part of like his motivation in this film. And when it comes to killing, he doesn't like to think of himself as a murderer, even though he obviously is complicit. Yeah. So he tries to <clears throat> focus only on collecting criminals and vagrants, like homeless people. Not that that makes it any better, but like for, in his own mind. He's trying not to target like kids or family people or anything. Like, he's trying to target individuals. 
And one thing that disturbs him a lot is that on the occasions when he fails to bring blood to Ellie, she has no no such qualms. She's not discerning about who she kills at all. Like she'll just kill anyone she needs to kill. Yeah, because that's what we see in the original. Like she just kills anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would create an interesting like dynamic between the two of them. Like how he wants to not hurt people as much, and she is pretty amoral in that sense. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Uh, in not, I was afraid that you're gonna step on my sequel, but no. <laughs> oh, good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we've gone in different directions here. Anyway, I'm thinking at some point, while he's working his day job in this supermarket checkout or whatever it might be, he's going to meet a young human woman who takes an interest in him. Mm-hmm. He usually avoids getting too close to other humans, because obviously it's in his best interests to keep a low profile and not make connections with people. Mm-hmm. But this woman, maybe she's got a lot of similarities to him, maybe she's quite introverted and shy and you know has hidden depths, whatever it might be. And she likes him. And so as he's only had Eli for company for the past 10 years, he's obviously at this point very lonely. So he maybe he falls in love a little bit and maybe they develop this kind of quite tentative relationship. Mm. So I think the film is going to explore it. And this is, is probably his first ever adult relationship because he's previously only ever been with, with Ellie. Yeah. So this is his first time actually understanding what it can be like to develop a relationship with a human woman who's his own age. So that's going to be a very important mm-hmm. development for him. Let's say this woman's called Lena because that's a very Swedish name. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know who's playing her? Who's playing Lena? Uh, how old is Alicia Vikander? She's she'll be too old now. It's got to be someone in their early twenties. She can pass as I don't know, maybe not. No, I think she's probably a little bit older than I need her to be at this point. Just as you know, I mean, nobody in this film is internationally well known. So who was the the main character in, in Midsummer? Oh, um, I don't know if she was Swedish, but she's not Swedish. Uh, oh, what's her name now? Begins with an F. She's not Swedish anyway. The whole point of that film is that she wasn't Swedish. I know. Florence I know, Pugh. Like... Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I think it should. Well, I think, I think we should keep casting Swedes. So yeah. yeah. Uh, there's not that many famous young Swedish actors, but I don't think that matters. I'm not pitching a Hollywood version. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you sellouts. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So the film. A lot of the film is. I think is going to just explore him as he tentatively develops his first ever adult relationship with a woman and. And it has to balance that with his time taking care of Ellie and also killing for Ellie. So obviously he's having to hide the fact that he's murdering people from this this young woman that he's developing a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also got to try and keep Ellie happy. Because Ellie sleeps all day, initially she doesn't notice anything about the fact that he's developing this relationship. But then at some point, Oscar finally agrees to go on a date with the girl, like after some set, like yeah. an evening date. And Ellie actually sees them together. He follow- She follows him and sees that he's on a date with another woman. And uh, obviously becomes very angry and quite hurt. And she demands that Oscar stops seeing her, mm-hmm. this new girl. Uh, so Oscar tries to do what Ellie says, but his feelings have deepened at this point. So he can't actually bring himself to break off the relationship. Yeah. Uh, and he becomes very frightened that if the relationship continues, that Ellie might might hurt this girl, this Lena girl. She might kill her, you know, or something. So he now has to kind of figure a way to get out of the situation that he's in with Ellie without causing any harm to anybody. And I think that kind of sets up the... That could Dynamic. be very tense. Yeah, that's, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm. I was really thinking of this as like in the same spirit as the original, being mm. quite, quite intense and quiet and mm-hmm. relationship based. So, yeah, that's kind of uh, that, that's kind of the premise I came up with. Um, I mean, it could also be a, a great romantic comedy without changing you anything this, you said. You could totally play this for laughs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, it's like a comedy of errors. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh no, my girl, my ex girlfriend's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> Did you have a title for this? Well, I was thinking, so the original is called Let the Right One In. Yeah. So this one's called Let the Good One Out. Okay. <laughs> he's found a good girl 
And now, and now he's, he needs to get out of this relationship with the vampire that he's, well, not dating, but, you know, he's, he's caring for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of as far as I got. I'm, I, I'm trying to think, how would, I'm trying to think, how would he get out of, how do he extract himself from this dangerous relationship? He would need to set her up with somebody else. He'd set Elliot, well, set Elliot with somebody new. That's mm. interesting to yeah. kind of, he still cares for Elliot. He's not going to, like, mm. he doesn't want to kill her or anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that'd be interesting if he has to find someone else who can, can take care of her. Is that going to be another 12-year-old boy? Is he going yes. to have to, like, groom a, a young boy? Basically, yes. Wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty dark, but I like it. I, I, it's I pretty think he twisted, Harry. He's, he's, yeah. he's a creepy dude. I'm sure he could do it. Yeah, you no, can, I can... You know what? He may already be doing so. Well, yeah, here's sure. the big question, though. It's at the end of the movie. Does he come clean to the other girl? Is he going to just own up to everything he's done while he was dating this vampire? Mm. I think he's going to have to. You oh, can't yeah, leave yeah. her in the dark. He does, but she's on board with it as well. Mm. Like, because maybe she's done the same thing for another vampire. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So she actually has a. She's like the familiar of a male vampire. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's like that girl from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. got. <laughs> what was she called? Karen or something? Oh, I don't know. But so, yeah, something like that. She, so she's. Yeah, and it turns out that's their connect. They didn't even realize that that was their connection the whole time. So maybe the, the conclusion then is that the little boy that she looks after mm. is set up with Ellie, mm-hmm. and it's like a, it's, a, it's like a little matchmaking thing. It's oh, like, and then they go on double dates. Yeah, they go on double dates. Yeah, they got way cuter than we aimed it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now it really is a comedy. Double, yeah, yeah, okay. You've turned my very serious, like, foreign movie, you know, thing into just a pure comedy. Yeah, sorry. That's all right, no. I, that gives me an out. I appreciate that. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, like, either that or I was thinking at some point he's going to have to leave Ellie and just go on just and just disappear, you know, mm-hmm. and go on the run. Because he's a mass murderer at this point, so yeah, it's a difficult situation to be in. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I think I like that. I think I like that they... Uh, yeah, maybe she finally gets a vampire boyfriend and he's also eternally 12 or whatever. Mm. And so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, very good. So that was let the good one out. Nice. Mm. I like it. So Julio, over to you. All right. So so I got a couple close calls while you were telling your story. But overall, I think that they're different enough. I guess maybe mind you, you have to try a little harder to make it a comedy. We'll see. We'll see what Harry does. But sure. Um. <laughs> Let's see. I went a little further uh, forward in time, so I'm I'm picking up with Oscar at sixty. Yeah, he's in his sixties now, so maybe even older than than the caretaker that we met in uh, in the original movie in Let the Right One In. But kind of like a little bit of what you said, uh, John, in your sequel, it kind of still, it, it, you know, it it applies. He's he's basically as we expected. He's become his own version of this guy, except that. He is a lot better at it. I think that all those red flags that we pointed out when we were talking about the movie, they've given way to him just being a much better serial killer than his predecessor. So he's uh, he's really good at it. And also, because he remembers how it all went last time, he is even more protective of uh, Ellie than, than the other guy. So he's not only he hasn't only killed for her to feed but also whenever he noticed that there was maybe a potential relationship that she could be forming with someone uh, he's also intervened there and ended that real quick now a major difference uh, between Oscar and the older guy from the first movie is also that he doesn't seem to be under the same spell that he was I mean he obviously cares for Ellie 
even loves her, but she doesn't control him. She can't control him in the way that she controlled the other guy. She's not that. She doesn't have him whipped in that way where, you know, he's just at her mercy, which is why even when she has voiced concerns about just not being able to have friends, you know, well, there's nothing she can do about it, you know? So the relationship between the two is in more of equal footing than uh, her previous relationship with a caretaker. So that's where we start. Uh, this guy, Oscar, in his 60s, and they've kind of, like you said, John, you know, they're serial killers. So they are kind of like, they move around a lot. Uh, they've managed to remain undetected. But when everything changes is when Oscar gets diagnosed with lung cancer. So oh, now okay. he has a terminal disease. And... It's pretty advanced. There's really not much that can be done. I mean, even if he undergoes treatment, well, then who's going to take care of Ellie while he's, you know, going through chemo or whatever, you know? So now he he kind of finds himself with the conundrum of, oh, wow, I've been so protective of Ellie this entire time that I haven't really worried about, I haven't thought about what's going to happen when I'm no longer around. You know, he should have been maybe a little less protective and should have been grooming a successor, like okay. Harry suggested in your, <laughs> in your sequel. So uh, he doesn't know what to do. You know, he, he, he panics a little bit. He doesn't know what to do. It's uh, the first time in forever that he's had to thought about his own mortality. So he tries to give it a secret from Ellie, uh, but eventually he just becomes too weak. It's too noticeable. She figures out that something's going on. And then once he tells her, Ellie, she still she cares for him, or at least she pretends to care for him. I think that just like me while watching the movie last night, Oscar has never been 100% sure. Uh, as he's grown older, he's never been sure if she really cares for him or if she cares for him because he provides her with blood. And so he can't really read her uh, when she just very matter-of-factly wonders out loud, okay, well, who's going to take care of me now after after you die? And uh, he, even though he's pretty proud and he, it's not what he wants to do, he, he actually has this moment of weakness and he asks her, well, maybe you could turn me. You know, that would take care of the disease and I would still be alive. But then she just basically makes a point that it, would, it wouldn't be practical. I mean, basically, it would just double the burden because now they would have to find uh, sustenance for two of them, you know, and he mm -hmm. wouldn't have the, uh, the ability to go out in the middle of the day and, and just take care of business the way that, you know, she can't. So she's like, no, that's, that's not a good idea. And uh, he takes it. He's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll figure out. I, I, I'm, still, I'm still alive, so I have time to figure something out. So with that, I mean, the, I think the first movie establishes that they, they're not short on money. They have plenty of money, not only from, I guess, the jewels that she had from previous adventures, but also she takes money from every person that they that they kill so they have cash so he decides oscar decides to use that to basically subcontract he mm -hmm. he goes around he's <laughs> subcontract vampires i love it <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's been around for a while and like i said he's more resourceful and more streetwise than uh than the previous caretaker so he's you know it takes him a little while but eventually he he can spot a, a killer even a potential serial killer uh when he sees one so Eventually, he he approaches someone, uh, and this is like really the only guy that I've cast. I, I had the same problem that you had, John, where I was like, well, how do you 
what do you do with Ellie? And yeah, I think that the only way to go about it is to recast her. Uh, and for that matter, mm -hmm. you can also, I mean, you would have to recast Oscar as a 60-year-old man. I don't know any sure. Swedish actors that could play him, but... Um, Stellan Skarsgård. That was my, my, <laughs> my one thought, but I'm like, is he Swedish? I wasn't sure. And then I was like... Oh, yeah. But then he, I don't know, could you buy him as a serial killer? That'd Sounds be a bit interesting change of pace for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his son was literally the clown in It. Yeah. It works. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say that Stellan Skarsgård is playing Oscar. Uh, From Mamma Mia to serial killer. I like it. <laughs> it. It's just the line. The line is very fine. But anyway, he approaches this young guy, this guy in his 20s. And uh, well, we're going to say that he's played by Harry's favorite, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, oh my God, right, what's wrong with right, you? Right. <laughs> oh. I'm on board, Julio, continue. Yeah, they're no longer in Sweden. Obviously, they've made, they're made their way around the, uh, around the world to, to wherever Tim Chalamet happens to be uh, at this time. Um, Italy in the 80s. It's, it crosses over with Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> Get Army Hammer in as well. <laughs> um, oh God. But anyway, he hires Chalamet. He just hires him. Uh, we're going to call him Tim. Yeah. He hires sure. Tim. And just uh, he doesn't tell him everything, obviously. Uh, he just tells him, listen, I'm going to pay you this much. And all you have to do is just bring me blood. And uh, it's good money. <laughs> and Chalamet is kind of already sort of a, a, a psychopath. So he just does it. You know, he, he's fine. He, he got hired to the job. He starts killing people and then mm -hmm. uh, helping Oscar drain them and never really asking any questions whenever he ventures uh, you know any any sort of inquiry about what they're doing you know oscar says oh well you know i'm a vampire ha 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 and then you know <laughs> they they drop it so tim is is okay with that for a while it's the money's good he enjoys the the work but eventually he gets restless he gets really curious and also oscar's disease gets worse to the point where it, it's just if there's going to be a switch over it needs to happen so before it's too late, he just makes introductions. Oscar introduces Tim to, to Ellie. And they hit it off, which really, really hurts Oscar's feelings uh, to suddenly see. That it's not an instant replacement, but he can suddenly see that uh, Eli and, and Tim quickly develop a bond. And mm -hmm. now he really becomes obsolete, right? Because he, they don't need him as an intermediary. He's just there kind of as a... As a now, really, he is a burden. There's nothing that he's bringing to the table. But then, as, as you know, the days go by and, and you know, kind of the, the new uh, hierarchy takes place, there's something about Tim that just robs him the wrong way. Uh, I mean, on top of the fact that he's just a, a, a serial murderer. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, Oscar can't tell if it's just jealousy or if there's really something wrong about him, you know, actual red flags. Uh, you know, the way that he talks to Ellie, the way that he behaves around her. So eventually it just kind of comes to a head when uh, Oscar realizes that Tim is just killing people more often than they need him to. He's just, mm. oh, you know. So he's he, a proper psychopath. Yeah, yeah. He he just enjoys it. So whether they need blood or not, he's out there killing people. Uh, you know what? I would enjoy this role of Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he should I, play a serial I would actually killer. really enjoy yeah. watching that. Yeah, I think that's a good role for him. He, he could definitely do like a Hannibal Lecter kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. See, this, if if nothing else, this sequel will bring you over to the Timothy Chalamet camp. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if he were to change the films that he does to just do villains. Yeah. yeah, I could, He's I, probably due to play a villain. Yeah. I, yeah. Can, I can see that for him in the future, definitely. Yeah. 
Some people, it just it just works for them. Mm. Chris Hemsworth should delve more deeply into being a villain. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, he did uh, Bad Times and Bad Times. Yeah, we loved yeah. that film. Yeah. It, he was really good in it. Yep. He should do. He should do more like that. Yep. Well, anyway, Timothy Chalamet killing a bunch of people, uh, more people than they that he should. Uh, this has set the the police on high alert. The whole community is on high alert, much more than they've ever had to deal with. So. It's it's a problem. It's basically that's not the protocol. Oscar, you know, basically calls him over and tells him that they need to to have a talk. He has uh, Ellie there with him, uh, kind of as backup because this conversation might might not go over well. And uh, he just basically fires him. He just tells him this is this is not how we <laughs> this do isn't things. Working out, Sam. Yeah. yeah, you're putting us in danger, and uh, this is just. You know, it's better if we just part ways and just let's never speak of this again and whatever. <laughs> and uh, Shelmay, of course, you know, he laughs. He has the upper hand here. He's like, okay, well, what are you going to do if I don't leave? And Oscar goes, well, then Ellie's going to have to take care of you. And Tim just looks at Ellie and he's pretty confident that that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then Oscar realizes that, yeah, maybe he's underestimated their bond. You know, how much she likes him. And once again, he... He had his face with this question of, well, how much does she really care for him in the first place? And now that she has his replacement fully trained and fully willing to do whatever it takes for her, why would she side with, with Oscar? So as he realizes this, Tim attacks him. Just, you know, he's obviously there's no use for him. So he just attacks him uh, knowing that it's just it's time to get rid of him, time to get rid of the old man. Uh, they start fighting. Obviously, Oscar is in pretty bad shape already from his disease, but he also, he's a fighter now, you know, through all these years. He's very different from the little kid that we had in the in the original movie. So he kind of like puts up a fight, but of course, he's, Timothy Chalamet has the upper hand. There's, there's not much doubt about the outcome here. And this entire time, Ellie's just watching the fight and she's always, you know, pretty detached, but she slowly starts showing concern, conflict, because... Maybe it turns out that she did care for Oscar. And so she jumps in and helps him, helps Oscar. She just jumps in and rips Timothy Chalamet's neck, just kills him right away. And oh, then... Harry's on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, runs over to Oscar, who's just lying on the floor. He's already been wounded. And he's just... He apologizes to her. He's like, I botched it up. I'm sorry. I, you know, I... Now I'm leaving. I'm dying. And my replacement is dead. Uh, you know, you're gonna be alone, and but she she just shakes her head and she bites him and she turns him. Oh, and she just says, "Well, you know, we can handle it together. We we can handle the burden. We'll just figure it out together." And that's the end of the movie. I mean, she ends up turning him, and now I mean they still have to figure out how they're gonna eat, but they're still together. So in a way, this whole story just answered my question that I had throughout the movie of whether she really cared for him or not because i mean obviously when she chooses to turn him now it's i think it's it's a little clearer that whether she had genuine feelings for him at first or not by the end of this story she she definitely did i like that i think that's really interesting that she finally is forced to confront you know she's used all these people for all these centuries however long she's been alive and now she has to confront the fact that this is someone she genuinely cares about i think that's yeah i, I think that's a really good one yeah, that really works. Yeah. And the title is uh, Keep the Wrong One Out. Great. Keep the wrong one <laughs> I, like, I like we've gone in similar directions, but just opposite. 
Cool. Okay. I think that's very plausible. So, uh, Harry, over to you. What have you got to bring it home? Okay. Well, I have I have a title idea and then I have a real idea. Okay. So my title idea is uh, Let the Left One In. Let the Left One In. Okay. Let the Right One In. I let see. the Left One In. <laughs> in, out, in, out. Shake it all about. Okay. Do the hokey toke. Ho- is this your pitch? Do the hokey cokey and you turn around and that is what it's all about. Okay. Very nice. I mean, I can't really see much beyond that but it's a musical oh oh you're doing it let the right one <laughs> I, as a musical I, as a stage I, I, musical okay yeah i mean whatever it's okay i thought it's a robot chicken I, skin. I, I, I did it yeah yeah no the actual one that I've, that, that I've got here is uh let the right one in two the curse of the killer kitties the curse of the killer oh so you're going with the uh the cat sequence mm-hmm. i need i need yeah. that scene to resonate with you <laughs> so it's going to be a sequel from the point of view of the cats who are <laughs> Uh, do go on. Is it directed by Tom Hooper? Uh, yeah. It may as well be. Um, who attack? What's the face? We pick up just after their attack. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just imagining the scene with the woman like going into the bed, the flat, and being attacked. And one of the cats just going midnight, not a sound of the day. <laughs> Sorry, do go on. Harry. So we pick up just after the attack, as they all scamper away. Once after yeah. they've attacked Virginia. After they attack Virginia. An ambulance arrives and yeah. take, takes Virginia to the hospital. The cats sure. all scamper away. They go back to the. Um, they'll, they'll go back to the apartment. Okay. Let themselves clean. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, they've all got bloody mouths, by the way. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, let themselves clean and go to sleep. Next morning, they all wake up with a brand new view on the world. They'll have a bit more personality and are now played by Rebel Wilson, James Corden, Jason Derulo, Jennifer oh, Hudson, Judy Dench, McKellen. And Idris Elba. So drinking the blood of a vampire has turned these cats into human cat hybrids. <laughs> yes. Great. Okay. Well, we were we were wrong to worry that we'd all have the same idea. <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty confident you guys were not going to do this. Cool. Um. So they all sing about the different things they feel now. Okay. They, they have one big song and dance sequence here in the morning, just like oh, what's all this? Yeah. <laughs> Everything looks different now. We all look kind of human, but also not. What's what's, what's going on? Uh, the song ends with Rebel Wilson catching a mouse. Um, but when she starts eating it, she throws up a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I see what you do. She spits it out and says it tastes horrible. And uh, some of the others try eating it. They don't like it either. Okay. Idris Elba catches another mouse. Also shit. Uh, they try their cat food. It's all crap. They can't, they can't eat anything. Then, um, who owned these cats, by the way? In the movie Cats. Yeah. No, no, in... in um... Oh, in the film. In, yeah. the, in the right one in. The Crazy Cat Man. Okay, well, the Crazy Cat Man walks in. Okay. Because he didn't have a name. Sure. It was not Gavin. That's not a Swedish name. but if we... It doesn't Gavin. matter. <laughs> it was... It... Whole, it was it... Okay, so Crazy Cat Man Gavin walks in. <laughs> um, and, of course, all the cat's ears prick up and they go over to say hello and, you know, rub themselves against his ankles and stuff. But bear in mind, these are human hybrid cats now. Um, not, not... So they look different. Yeah, not, maybe he can't see that or maybe he's drunk I don't know Okay. Um, right. but like he is a giant sized human compared to them I see okay so it's Goster all... Goster is sure it um, so, so yeah Gavin I'm going to go with go with Gavin sure uh, <laughs> so as Gavin walks through the door um, he snags his leg on a nail sticking out of the door frame oh so he bleeds or something single drop of blood drops to the floor mm-hmm. and suddenly all the cats completely change behaviour they all pounce on it and they start licking it up Oh no. <laughs> Their pupils go super thin and then they all pounce on Gavin at once. They'll bite into him and suck his blood. Oh, okay. Oh, so the cats have turned on their owner. 
Yeah, the cats just have like become the musical cats, but they are also vampire cats. I would love it if the actual Tom Hooper Cats musical <laughs> was a stealth vampire movie and all the cats were, were killers. Yeah. So I've not really got any story other than that. Okay. That's... I think that's enough. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're pitching towards is the music, is the, the classic Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Cats, except that all of the cats are vampires. Swedish vampire cats, yeah. yes. Swedish vampire cats. <laughs> that's a brilliant name for a band. And also Swedish vampire cats. Yeah. But also you have you still have the the cast from the upcoming cats movie. So it's mm. James Corden, uh, Rebel Wilson, Idris Elba, they all have Swedish accents. Yeah, shit, sure. yeah, I like that. Mm. Um, I mean it. I cannot do a Swedish accent, so I'm not even gonna attempt it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know everybody wants me to. The world's crying out for it, Harry. Yeah. But yes, James Corden doing a uh, a Swedish slash Transylvanian accent. Those are two very different parts of the world. <laughs> oh, he's a vampire, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, no. So, so it's, has he got all the original songs from Cats? Are we getting some new, like, vampire-themed songs? Believe it or not, John, I don't know anything about the, the musical Cats. Oh, you will. <laughs> You'll know oh, no, no, I know Before I this year is out, you will know everything there is to know. I know I will, and I'm looking forward to it. But yeah. no, I've never seen the musical, and I don't know a single thing, so I don't really know where to go with this. Okay. No, I, where, 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 where would you take a, a gang of musical Swedish vampire cats? It's a question I've been asked many times in my life, Harry. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that maybe don't make it too loyal to the actual musical Cats, because that's got its own random storyline. But a musical film about cats becoming vampires, mm-hmm. th- that's crazy enough to work. Mm-hmm. So I just think, make that the, where they realise, so they kill Goster, they kill their owner, and then they need to reckon with that, and then because they, they, they obviously like cared about, I mean... You could go into that whole thing about whether cats care about their owners or not. You know, that's the ultimate question. Yeah, well, I reckon that when their owners have been eaten by said cats, yeah. the cats only care about them in the way that I care about a potato. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's tasty. I'd like to fry it up and eat it. So th- so there's no actual residual emotion towards that owner once they've killed it? No, I'll, I'll care for it when it's alive, and I'll make sure it grows well and has a nice life. But when the time comes, I will eat that bad boy. But wouldn't it be interesting if, if at least one of those cats felt some sort of remorse after the fact? Yeah, I think, this, I think that's... Okay, sure. Which one? Mm, the Jennifer Hudson cats? Jennifer Hudson cat? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she's going to sing a really emotional song about how she's conflicted, about how she yeah. she ate her own, all her friends are against her. and Yeah, um, that can be the big showstopper. That can be her Oscar clip. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. And then mm. is she going to be outcast from that? Yeah, I think so. Maybe the rest of the cats cast her out because she's too too soft. Mm. So we're talking a spin-off then? Not necessarily a spin-off. <laughs> that, that could be the plot. Maybe she, she's like a vampire cat who has a... She's a vampire cat with a soul. She's the angel of uh, of the vampire cats. That sounds like it's a, it's it's close to being a golden lyric. Like yeah. an amazing line. From, she's a vampire cat with a soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's, that's the vibe I think you should go with this. With this <laughs> I, I I really like this idea of just I've never thought of the concept of vampire cats before. No, me neither. <laughs> like, I like the idea of like much like the original, like the the streets of Sweden. Some drunk middle aged guys are like walking the streets, and then suddenly it's just like wow, <laughs> cats just like <laughs> leap at them. And <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's a cat that comes up and is kind of like Puss in Boots from Shrek, just comes and be super cute in front. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah. Great, and yeah. then it's an ambush. Mm. Oh, can one of the cats have the voice of Antonio Banderas? I know he's not in the movie Cats. But <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? I feel like it would be good synergy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he can sing, 
So yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. No, no, no. Okay, I've got it. The cats, the vampire powers that they're granted by becoming vampires gives them the power to turn into to take human form. Mm. But it's not quite strong enough to be convincing human form. So what they can actually turn into is this horrifying CGI mix of human and cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah. So they stalk the streets in human form, and then they can turn into cats at will. Like most vampires turn into bats, these vampires turn into cats. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. What happens if a vampire cat meets a vampire bat? Bat fight. With the vampire cat. Yeah. Catch the bat and eat the bat. Yeah. And then what happens if a vampire eats a vampire? What happens? If what a vampire next? eats another vampire? What's the next level? I don't know. Vampire squared? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't know. These are questions that no man's meant to know the answer to. No, no. <laughs> I mean, nobody's supposed to watch five vampire movies in a row and no, we... try and make sense of them. Yeah. Oh, can Nicolas Cage be in this? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think so, because the next step in escalation for this movie is for the cats to actually find regular vampires. So, mm. you know, you'll have a, I guess, I don't know if Judy Dench or uh, Idris Elba is supposed to be the leader of the of the cats on the Not upcoming it. movie. But, mm. you know, they would just go out and, I guess, get in, uh, you know, invade the turf of the real vampires. And so you have sort of a gang war between the the cat vampires and the human vampires. And Nicolas Cage can be the leader of the human Has vampires. Has Nicolas Cage ever done a musical? That feels like something Ooh, that I, the world know. needs to see. I do not know. I don't think he do, he has, but yeah, I'm here for that. So yeah, so what was the title for that? Uh, that was Let the Right One In 2, Curse of the Killer Kitties. Curse of the Killer Kitties. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm, I'm very much here for that. I think that's uh, there's got there's a lot to work with there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Cool. Okay. Uh, do you want to get to some listener submissions then before we wrap up? Uh, yeah, go go for it. Great. Have you got any this week? No. No. Okay. I've I've I've, I've kind of given up for more obscure films. This isn't that obscure. Come yeah, on, but, Harry. Yeah, but 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 when the only place I post is a place that's a comic book film appreciation group. Oh, okay. It's. Fine. I mean, it hasn't worked for multiple episodes in a row. All right, fine, fine, fine. Okay, well, I do have some. You'll be pleased to know. So, uh, Stuart Jip... Sorry, sorry Julia. No. Stuart <laughs> Jip said, let the right two in. He just said, let's get that out of the way right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that was let the right two in. <laughs> With uh, the number two, I, I would yeah. assume. Beth Sheba said, get the left one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joshua Williams said, let the alt-right one in. This one gets pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> let the alt-right one in. Joe Hill just said, get out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You know what? It's the title means the same thing, really, isn't Pretty it? Pretty much, yeah. Well, sorry, I would love sorry, to see yeah, a Jordan yeah. Peele take on this film. Oh, if they had to do an American remake, Ooh, yeah. just give it to Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele should just do a vampire movie. He, but yeah, it, it should have happened by now. That'd be really good. Yeah, one day. Drew Mancini said two right, two in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ollie Brady said, "Are you insane? Don't let anyone in. It's 2019. They're just going to rob you." <laughs> Uh, Josh Nolette said, let the right stuff in, vampire astronauts. <laughs> nice. Over on Twitter, Blokebusters, at Blokebusters, said, let the right one out. A very strange film in which Oscar and Ellie now run a dance studio that caters entirely to teaching the hokey cokey. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Our rival <laughs> dance studio arrives in hijinks and good old-fashioned murder ensue. Mm, okay. And finally, at Word Salad Radio, 
said, let the right one in with a W, as in W-R-I-G-H-T. Mm. A historical fiction in which Wilbur Wright gets turned into a vampire and his brother Orville has to finish the airplane on his own and do aerial combat with his supernatural brother. That's the Wright brothers, obviously, who invented the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, where all of which you can leave a five-star review, which we both read to lighten our moods on our post-episode hangovers. As previously mentioned, we are also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could, and you can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry. Okay, so next week I decided um, I wanted to go completely off-season, and uh, do a film starring somebody who really, really should have been in a vampire film at some point. Okay, I'm intrigued. I'm not sure if we've done a film with Helena Bonham Carter before. We must have done, surely? I don't know, but I feel like she'd make a fantastic vampire. I mean, she would, yeah. It's a role she'd want to play. Mm. Okay, what have you, what have you picked? So I mean, next week, we're going to do Fight Club. Ooh, now that's been on the shortlist for a while. Yeah, that's okay. going to be a good one. Have we really never done a Helena Bonham Carter? That's crazy. we have. Mm. that you've never yeah. done one i know you've talked about her you know play. what actually have we done a brad pitt one as a main episode and have we done a um edward norton yeah i was gonna say trust could never then edward norton no i feel oh we've done interview with the vampire ah, that's a yes. bit that's a yeah. bad we've that's had brad pitt and benjamin button the curious case of benjamin button. oh yeah we've had our brad pitt moments okay yeah, okay yeah. But yeah i think we might have not ever it was good dead norton, norton, we? oh no we had, no 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 oh no that was trust could never what? <laughs> Sorry, I get those. I get those two mixed up. I was thinking Looper. Helena, you get Helena Bonham Carter. No, and... Joe Scudder and Ed Norton. <laughs> oh, I, get, I still don't see it, but sure. Yeah, me neither, John. I just okay. Sometimes... Whatever. That's a good pick. That is a great yeah. pick. So Fight Club. So. Fight, Fight Club. Club. We'll, we'll, we'll do Fight Club next week. Great. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So Julio, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Do you want to let people know where your show is one last time? One last time, uh, look for The Contrarians on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, any podcatchers. And you can check our website at wearethecontrarians.com. And on Twitter, we're at Contrarian Prime. Great stuff. Cool. Thank you very much, Julio. And uh, yeah, join us next week for Fight Club. Brilliant. And uh, we'll yeah see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Julio. Bye, Julio. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you. Är du vampyr?